Hello everyone! Welcome to the very first Myth Weaving with Nathan. Alejandro's here in voice. You probably won't hear him. I think it's only recording me, but he's here. I'm also joined by a bunch of other people, members of Myth Weavers, just like you. And Colin was a, was supposed to be here. He was supposed to be here. But we actually don't know what happened to him right now. So we're just gonna do this without him. <laughs> we'll keep looking for him. If he jumps in later, we'll ju- we'll add him in. But for the moment, it's just me and Alejandro. Welcome, everybody. I have a giant document here of all the things I want to talk about, and there are a ton of things I want to talk about. We're going to talk about Pathfinder, we're going to talk about Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition, we're going to talk about advertisements on Mythweavers, we're going to talk about Discord itself and how you can use it to run your own game and make it the best that it can be. We're going to talk about bots and we're going to talk about the dice rolling features and all of those things. Private, you run a, run a game on Discord? That's excellent. So the first thing on the agenda is Pathfinder versus Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. And this is a huge, huge point of contention among people who play tabletop role playing games. Pathfinder, 5th edition, the first thing I want to look at, actually, between the two is their character sheets. If you look at a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition character sheet, and then you go and look at a Pathfinder character sheet, they are completely different. And yeah, Jojo Lager, you're correct. They are almost apples to oranges, except for the fact that they're both designed to do very similar things. The design approach to get to that point of playing a game with a dungeon master and playing with players and all those things, they're so similar that it's impossible to not compare them. If we look at the character sheets, you can see a visual difference between them of complexity. So Pathfinder, of course, as everybody knows, has been likened to Dungeons & Dragons 3.5, and 3.5 is hugely complicated. And not just from a character creation standpoint, but a standpoint of there are so many books. So Pathfinder, you know, you have, I'm going to take a wild guess here and say something along the lines of 40 books, possibly more. Then you go to 5th edition and there's four, where you have the Player's Handbook, the Dungeon Master's Guide, the Monster Manual, and technically Volo's Guide to Monsters. Money grabbing aside, if you look at Pathfinder, I think think we can immediately see the huge complexity difference between them. Sword Coast, is that technically a rulebook? That is a good question. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with no, it's not a rulebook because it's specific to one setting, right? The Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide is what Prevo's talking about. It's, it's a very small book by, as, in terms of D&D and all that. So, you know, you've got the Pathfinder Player's Handbook, which is over 300 pages, and then you've got the D&D 5th Edition Player's Handbook, which is about 250, 300 pages as well. And then the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide is only like 100 pages. So, I don't think it technically counts as a rulebook. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's mainly adding on to what's already there, which is, which is great. I'm glad that they're doing that for 5th Edition, because I will admit I am a little disappointed in 5th Edition's selection of books. But as a system itself, it's so much more streamlined, and this has come up a couple times in chat already, that the streamlined nature of 5th edition makes it extremely approachable. There has been a huge influx of people who are now playing Dungeons & Dragons that wouldn't previously because of how simple it is to pick up and play. You literally just need the player's handbook. Whereas for something like Pathfinder, you need the player's handbook, you need the game mastering guide. Well, I say you need it, but you really don't, but you do if you're going to design your own campaign for Pathfinder and those those types of things. A Natural 20 has an excellent point that the influx of ads for 5th edition have overtaken 3.5, which is previously the most played system, not just on Mythweavers, but in general. (laughs) I wouldn't say 3.5 games are dead. I think they're just down in popularity now that 5th edition is starting to take over. Priva brings up another excellent point, that 3.5 is still very popular with older players. People who have been playing since AD&D, since the days of the original Dungeons & Dragons, 3.5 is extremely popular to them. Exactly. Habits die extremely hard. It's very difficult to kill the old habits, and for a while, all I would play was 3.5. I started with 2nd edition when it first came out, but 3.5 caught my attention, and there were so many books to collect and dig into, and it just became what we played. Me and my playing group, we only played that for a very long time, and then we got into Pathfinder later on and all those things. But anyway, back to the original topic of Pathfinder versus D&D, 5th edition. I, I don't want to claim that either of these systems is better. Now, they are suited for different people, and they are suited for different things. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you which one's better, because I can't answer that question. All I can offer is the differences between them. It is a lot like a holy war. Mick the Rogue, you're very 
very correct. Pathfinder is very frequently referred to as D&D 3.75. Because it's so similar to 3.5, they just made some changes that made it more streamlined and less complicated. But now they're getting to the problem where they have as many books, if not more books, than 3.5. At what point is 3.5 or Pathfinder more complex? It's hard to measure. Do you just go by the number of books? Do you go by how complicated it is to make a character? Do you go by the amount of content? It's too many things to really nail down what exactly makes a system more complicated. Unless... Oh dear, are we getting some more reverb? Uh, that's unfortunate. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna... We're gonna fight through it. I'm gonna keep going and hopefully it'll get better and if not, I'm sorry. I will have the recording later. We'll carry on for the moment. So, 5th edition, where was I? I was talking about how complicated a system was. Mia has an excellent point that Pathfinder lets you pick the books that you want to choose, whereas 5th edition doesn't really have that option. 5th edition, it because it only has four rule books, you have to play with those if you want to have access to all the options. Now granted, 5th edition does have the adventure paths that they've published that add more options. For example, the Princes of Evil campaign, or Princes of the Apocalypse campaign, excuse me, that adds the Genasi, who are the elemental races, of course. So Pathfinder ultimately has the advantage of being the most flexible. And Mick the Rogue, yes, you have an excellent point. Pathfinder can definitely give a bit too much analysis paralysis for newbies. So if you're a new player and you just want to start playing a game, you want to play a tabletop RPG of some kind, and you have the choice between Pathfinder and Dungeons & Dragons, 5th edition specifically, because not all Dungeons & Dragons editions are created equal, 5th edition has to be the recommendation, because you're new, you've never played before, you just want to play a game, and especially when you get into the cost. So Pathfinder, if you want to have access to, I'm going to say the best options, but I don't really mean the best, because that's entirely opinion. If you want to have access to the best options in Pathfinder, Pathfinder, you need five, six, seven, eight books. Whereas fifth edition, those four books give you everything you need and potentially an adventure path book if you choose to do that rather than making your own. So, ah, thank you, Priva, for bringing that up. The starter set for fifth edition does still exist and is available for free. If I understand correctly, it's still available for free. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Okay, so yes, it is It is available for free. The starter set for 5th edition ultimately gives you more or less everything you need to play. I'm not familiar if Pathfinder has any options like that, but I have seen games played entirely out of the player's handbook because that gives you all of the classes, it gives you all the races, it gives you all those things. So if you compare a free starter guide that's a very watered-down version of the actual player's handbook... Oh, interesting, you... Okay, so Priva says that they bought the physical edition of the basic set, which came with dice and the rulebook and all that, but they also bought the handbook alongside that. So an interesting way to start up. I think if I was going to choose between the basic set and the player's handbook, I would almost certainly always pick the player's handbook. But buying them both together is actually a really good idea because then you get dice and you get the you get pre-made characters and all those things. And right now, chat is going a little crazy talking about the lack of 5th edition digital copies, which Pathfinder absolutely has nailed down and every book has a digital copy now. If we go back to the topic of cost, then we look at, okay, now you have the option of buying them digitally, where a 300-page book, rather than buying a physical copy, is 50 or $60. You pay... $15 and you get the entire book digitally. Now, I personally prefer to have a physical copy of the book and Mia says save the trees, but when I'm sitting at a table playing with people, I don't want to be on my iPad or I don't want to be on a laptop. That's that's <laughs> that's too much potential for distraction for me. One of the problems I came I ran into when I very first started playing 5th edition Pathfinder, those types of things, and I am getting pinged like crazy. Oh, Colin's here. He's going to be on in about 20 minutes. That is excellent. All right, so we'll have Colin joining us very shortly. So back to what we were talking about, laptops and those types of things. When I first started playing, one of the things I would run into is someone would have their laptop out and wouldn't be playing, they wouldn't be using it for rule books and those types of things. They'd be browsing the internet, they'd be distracting people, and it kills productivity at a gaming table when you have all this technology. And don't get me wrong, technology is fantastic for running a game. If you're using it for a virtual tabletop or a initiative tracker or those types of things, then it's fantastic. But I'm very wary of letting my players have that those types of technology out while we're playing. It's it's a bit too much of a temptation. So I think we I think we got a little off topic there. 
going going down the road of technology at the gaming table. <laughs> but now I want to talk about 5th edition and Pathfinder in terms of their flavor. So in terms of the story behind them. Pathfinder had the struggle of having to come up with its entirely new setting, whereas 5th edition has established settings. It's got Greyhawk. It's got the names escape me now, of course. <laughs> Greyhawk, Forgotten Realms, Eberron, Sword Coast, which is part of Forgotten Realms. Yep, absolutely. So 5th edition has such this great history behind it that it dates back to the very first Dungeons & Dragons that with 5th edition, they've started moving in an interesting new direction. And I'm going to use Volo's Guide to Monsters as an excellent example of this, that they are taking the lore of these monsters and putting them in the rules. So it's not so much that here's a stat block for a monster and it's this difficult to fight. Whereas in Volo's Guide to Monsters, it's more, this is a monster. This is the motivations behind that monster. And this is what this monster believes, and this is how it behaves, and this is how it interacts socially, and those types of things are a very new direction for for rules in general for tabletop role-playing games. Whereas Pathfinder has, I personally have not seen anything like this in Pathfinder. Now, Pathfinder, because it has so many books, it does eventually start to build its own story around itself, where it has the Galarian World Guide and those types of things. But if you pick up a monster manual for Pathfinder, it's literally page after page of, of stat blocks. Whereas Volo's Guide to Monsters... It, you have two or three pages dedicated to every monster. And yeah, there's a stat block in there. But eventually, you start to shift away from this view of a monster is just something for the players to fight to, oh, a monster is actually something interesting that has its own backstory and its own flavor and its own motivations. So, which is better? Again, it completely depends on what you're trying to do. Mia says that Pathfinder is more technical when it comes to monsters. And they're absolutely right. Pathfinder has the advantage of being such a detailed system and having so many monster manuals and bestiaries that you can systematically go through and pick, okay, I need A, B, and C monster for this encounter. And then coming up with why you need those monsters is kind of the DM's thing rather than the, it's not the book's job to tell you that information. It's the dungeon master's job to incorporate those monsters into the story and give them motivations and those types of things. So fifth edition is the opposite. The books are starting to tell you, okay, I need a monster with X motivation. Let me look at Volo's Guide to Monsters, and it'll tell me this monster is is angry because someone stole something from him, right? So like an like an orc would be angry that you took away their favorite sword or something. As a as a terrible that is a completely terrible example, and I'm willing to admit that. But that that's the kind of idea we're going for. <laughs> Chat is now demanding much better of me. Are you not entertained? <laughs> Alright, give the orc a backstory, Mick the Rogue says. <laughs> Pathos, oh boy. Well, I I'll tell you what, if I if I had the time to go into that right now, I would I would gladly craft a backstory for Grok the Human Slayer. A synopsis, huh? You want you want a synopsis? Okay, alright. We're going to tangent here for a moment, and we're going to talk about Grok the Dwarf Stomper, as RMB has just named him. Alright, Grok the Dwarf Stomper. He was in the forest. He was ready to fight the human invasion that was descending on him from the hills. In the battle where Grok the Dwarf Stomper lost his favorite sword, not only did he lose his favorite sword, but also the life of his one true love, Grokala. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't keep a straight face. I tried, I tried. <laughs> Grokzilla. Uh, I think I like Grokala better. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So we've told the story of Grok the Dwarf Stomper, and he's going on this epic quest to retrieve his sword and avenge Grokala. Someone make a game about that. I'll keep an eye open for the, the advertisement on Mythweavers. Alright, so, next topic, still in the Pathfinder vs. 5th Edition discussion, I want to talk about the future of both of these systems. So, I just bumped my mic. I'm so sorry if that messed with anyone. So, the future of 5th edition versus the future of Pathfinder. So, Pathfinder has this very interesting structure where they come out with a book every couple of months, right? 3.5 had a similar problem. And 3.5 also had the problem of anyone could make 
anything for it because they made everything open source. So the D20 SRD is a thing that exists and anyone could take that information and do whatever they want with it. Pathfinder is in the same spot where at what point do you say, okay, do I use the official Paizo material or do I start using this third party material? And Mick the Rogue brings up that you can, but it's not as accepted to use these splat books. And I personally do not, I do not like third party material. I prefer to keep it within the company that originally published the material. When you look at Pathfinder, especially because it's such a popular system, it's so easy to find these random splat books that do so many different things that you wouldn't normally expect out of Paizo. And sure, RMB says Paizo has plenty of its own material, and you're absolutely right. Paizo is not the only one that pumps out new books for Pathfinder on a consistent, on a regular basis. I think Pathfinder just recently came out with a new book. I haven't been keeping too terribly up to date. I think just recently they came out with a book, and they have another one planned this year already. The future of Pathfinder is not, is bright, for sure. It's, I mean, there's going to be more and more books, but at what point is it too many? Is there is there such... I want to ask chat on this. Is there such a thing as too many core books? Okay. A Natural 20 says yes. Mia says no. Mick the Rogue says yes. So, I mean, it's it's pretty split. And I, I'm in agreement. I think yes and no. Sure, you want to make more money. You're a company. That's what you do, right? You print more books, you print more content, so people go buy your book and they keep it, they keep playing the game and they, they get addicted and all these things. And D. Jacob says, at some point you're making content for the sake of it, not because it is good for the system. And I completely agree with that. At some point, 3.5 did the same thing. They were making content just for the sake of making content. So I think ultimately we're going to reach a point where Pathfinder has all these different books and that's great. I'm, I'm happy they're willing to go that far to have 50, 60 different books that you can use. But at some point you have to take the new edition approach. Every system has had multiple editions except for Pathfinder. There's no Pathfinder 2.0. So Dungeons and Dragons, they realize, okay, 3.5, we have so many books. Okay, so it's time for a new system. We're going to change how things work. We're going to make them better or worse in the case of 4th edition. And 4th edition is an entire can of worms that I'm not going into right now because that could be an entire topic all by itself. D&D moved forward. Okay, we're going to do 4th edition. They printed so many books. And then, okay, now we're going to do 5th edition. And with 5th edition, they did the process of D&D Next, which let players contribute to the development of the game. And as a result, I think 5th edition shines for it. So the future of Pathfinder is ultimately, I'm going to make a prediction. I'm going to say that Pathfinder in the next, uh, maybe maybe not the next year, but the next two to three years, we're going to see Pathfinder 2.0. If Pathfinder takes the approach that 5th edition did and does Pathfinder next, quote-unquote, then we will have an excellent successor to what is already the huge success of Pathfinder. Now, 5th edition is in an interesting spot. It's still relatively new. It's been out for a couple years now. And 5th edition, they're not releasing nearly as many books as they did for 3.5 or 4th edition. What they're focusing on is adventures. They just came out with a new rulebook, Volo's Guide to Monsters, a few months ago. So, Mia says the only reason why there's so little content is that it is, in fact, new. And yes, I completely agree with that. Because it's so new, there isn't nearly enough content. I don't want to say enough. I want to say there's not nearly as much content. And A Natural 20 says they're still dealing with the market research backlash from 4th edition. I stayed away from 4th edition. I didn't want to play it. I was not interested. I was still addicted to Pathfinder and 3.5 at the time. So when 5th edition came out, I bought into it and I made a commitment. I said, I'm going to buy every 5th edition book. I haven't quite completed that quest yet, but I'm still working on it. And 5th edition is kind of to the point where I don't want to go out and buy another adventure book, right? So when Volo's Guide to Monsters came out, I got extremely excited and I wanted to buy that as soon as it came out. And I did. I have my copy of Volo's Guide to Monsters sitting right on this bookshelf over there. But what I want right now is more rule books. I want to 
I want a player's handbook two. I want another monster manual. I want a campaign guide or something along those lines. So <laughs> I'm, I'm not quite sure why I'm being slapped. More books. No, more books is an awesome thing. We always want more books. That's what we do. We're tabletop role-playing game players. We always want the next book. We always want the next system. We obs- Yes, Mick the Rogue. Exactly. We obsess. <laughs> so for fifth edition, the future of fifth edition is a lot more clear. More books. That's what we want. That's what Wizards is going to work towards. I certainly hope that's what they're going to work towards. I personally am looking forward to... Ah, excellent point. Jojo Lager says more books, but we want quality over quantity. And this is something that I meant to talk about with 5th edition and its future. With Volo's Guide to Monsters being what it is, yes, it's a rule book, but it's also a story of sorts. It explains... We already talked about this, but we are. it explains the motivations behind the monsters and their social structure and all those things. But I want more books like that. I want to see a player's handbook written in that style. I want new classes that have the flavor behind them, rather than just a two-paragraph blurb about a fighter is a person who hits things. You know, I don't want that. I want to see a, if I can steal from 3.5, I believe the Advanced Player's Guide introduced a class like uh, Ninja. I think Ninja was a class that the 3.5 Advanced Player's Guide introduced. And I want something like that. I want a Ninja with a story. I want to know where this ninja comes from. I want to know why he's a ninja. I want to know who his family is. I want to know who, why he's an, uh, why he's serving the emperor of wherever he is. <laughs> I want a class from 3.5 who uses words to fight. What was that class? Uh, isn't that the true namer? Yeah, the true namer. No, wait. Mm, yeah, no, it was the true namer. Yeah, the true namer. They, they said really long, complicated words and they meant the true name of things and they did magic based on that. So, so Mick the Rogue asks, or says, I mean, the issue is how much pre-made setting do you want? And it depends. With a ninja, for example, since that's the example we're using, I want enough pre-made setting to know that this ninja fits into my campaign. I... <laughs> Mick, Mick asks, do you want just a blank slate or a song of ice and fire level of obsessive detail? I don't want a song of ice and fire level of detail because that is way too much. I tried to read Game of Thrones. I tried. I seriously tried. But I don't want a blank slate either. I want to know, <laughs> I would rather know enough to make the decision of whether I should let players in my game be a ninja. And if I have a two paragraph synopsis of what a ninja is rather than where they come from and who they serve and those types of things i can't really make that decision especially if i'm new to the game so if i'm new to fifth edition and i buy this brand new rule book that tells me how ninjas work i can't determine if i can actually use this information without being given enough knowledge so if you're brand new to DD and you go okay i'm gonna buy this new rule book and then you get home and you open it up and you read it and you say, this information is not useful to me. Yes, this tells me the ninja does X, Y, Z, but it doesn't tell me, can I make this fit into my home custom setting that I built? So there's definitely a balance to be struck there, right? So we we have to balance the flavor with the mechanics. So we can't just have this class only fits into these settings. We have to figure out at what point is too much fluff too much, and should we cut this down to make it more universal? Uh, Natural 20 says, I mean, you don't have to use the information presented. If I get two pages on why a ninja is in this setting, I can take that and go, okay. Or I can go, nah, not even close. Change this and this. And you're absolutely right. You can choose to just completely ignore that. Now, I know there will be people who buy Volo's Guide to Monsters just for the stat blocks because they don't care about the flavor of the setting. But if I can present to my players a enemy that has motivation, it has social structure, it has these things that make it a real character, then suddenly my characters get more and more immersed into the game. You have to balance it, ultimately, is what I'm saying. RMB asks, you mean info that makes a character slash monster memorable? Yes, absolutely. So if I don't have that information or if I'm not willing to come up with it, then my players don't get engaged and my players forget about the big bad evil guy as soon as he's dead the best monsters villains encounters are the are the ones that players remember and they laugh about it later or they talk about it later and they say oh that was so awesome do you remember when grok the dwarf slayer or dwarf stomper murdered me <laughs> uh, mia says the problem is that not all gms are lazy and you're right not all gms are lazy 
Some are. Some want all the information given to them. And that's that's fine. But if you're not lazy, like me, or like it seems most of the people in this chat, then you have to you have to craft that information yourself. And at that point, you have to determine, okay, I'm just going to ignore these two and three pages that they wrote in the book. And that becomes a problem for Wizards of the Coast. So they they have to realize that, okay, we can put all this information in the book, but how many players are actually going to use all that information? So like, like we were originally saying, it's a balance, and you have to figure out at what point is too much and what's too little. And I think... If we look at it, Volo's Guide to Monsters is very well done. It's a very well-written book. And I personally don't think it gives too much information. The Player's Handbook, on the other hand, doesn't give enough information. I don't want to know that a fighter is just someone who hits things. Uh, you haven't seen Volo's Guide to Monsters? That book is fantastic! It's, it's basically everything you want out of a monster manual. So not only does it give you more monsters... But it also gives you all the information behind those monsters and what makes them what they are. It is 5e. Volo's Guide to Monsters is only 5e. Oh, sure, sure, Mia, you're correct. You, you can definitely use those monsters with, with any setting. You're, you're absolutely right. And that's why I say Volo's Guide to Monsters is so well done, because they gave you just enough information to be able to use it wherever you want. Alright, so I think we find, we've nailed down Pathfinder eventually is going to 2.0. Fifth edition is going to more books in general because that's what we need and that's what we want. So I'm going to take a quick five minute break and I'll be right back. Hello, hello. We are back. We are still weaving some myths and we're going to move on from our discussion of D&D fifth edition and Pathfinder. And we are going to talk about advertising on myth weavers. Before we get into this, I just want to say that the majority of advertisements on Mythweavers are pretty good. They tell you all the information you need. They tell you they tell you what game. They tell you what the system is and all those types of things. But there are some that just stand out, both good and bad. And I'm gonna I'm gonna link some advertisements in a second, and we'll talk about them. So the first one we're gonna talk about is a really good one. We're gonna talk about a really good one. Start on the start on a good note. So I'm gonna put this in chat, and then for those of you who are listening to the recording, I'm going to put that. When I post it on Mythweavers. There we go. Okay, so I've posted the advertisement in the chat. And for those of you who are listening afterwards, you can check it out in the links in the forum post. So B. Watford, who is a... I don't, I don't want to say he's well-known, but I do know that he is dedicated to his games. He runs games for a very, very long time. So the advertisement I've linked, if we just look at it, it's beautiful, first of all. I mean, there's a pretty graphic at the top, there's a nice picture, and I, I gotta say, I love the classic art there, the classic fantasy art, it's fantastic. And a Natural 20 says, set fields with a heart, and yes, we are gonna talk about set fields. They are wonderful. <laughs> the formatting is indeed fantastic for this ad. So, if you look, he's got first, right under the picture, he's got a flavor blurb. And I love this in advertisements, when they give you a little blurb on the flavor of the, the setting, the story, all those types of things. It's fantastic. So after that, we get right into the game. It's going to be Dungeons Dragons 5th Edition. It's a dungeon crawl. We're level 1. There's flavor. There's a plot hook. There's an adventure summary. I mean, like, we could go on and on and on about this advertisement. He talks about himself. He talks about what kind of player he's looking for, what he's not looking for. And... After all of that, and that information is actually really important. So if you think about it, when you post an advertisement on, with, on Mythweavers, you have to think about, okay, what kind of people do I want in my game? So this is something that I don't see a lot of people include in their advertisements. If a player goes to apply for a game and they're not the type of player you want in the game, how are they supposed to know that unless you tell it to them? Having the information of what you're looking for and what you're not looking for is extremely important in pretty much any advertisement and i i personally actually don't include this information and i realize now that i totally should because it's brilliant this this isn't true of just dungeons and dragons games either this is especially important in shadowrun games now shadowrun is a system that is rife with paranoia it's prone to people arguing at one another and mick the rogue says ads really are like a job interview and you're absolutely correct 
if you if you don't present the correct information or the information in a proper way, then you're not going to go anywhere. McDerogue also says it's about following instructions and being personable. And yes, that's absolutely correct. So, moving on from the basics, as B. Watford has so beautifully illustrated them, we move on to character building. Now, character building in 5th edition is fairly straightforward, so it's kind of expected that there's not going to be an, a lot of information there. So, he's got what books you can use, Any uh, he's got any alignment except evil. We'll talk about that in a second, a natural 20. Uh, he says, I wish advertisements for games also included how quickly the DM intends on disappearing and leaving players in the lurch. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit, but that is a topic that could have its own segment. If we move further down, we've got applications to the game. He's got an outline that he wants people to use. And this is not how I would normally set it up. I would normally just kind of say, hey, just do your own thing. Give me XYZ information and then we'll move on. But he actually has step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, six, six, seven, eight, nine. He's got 10 steps. So many steps, actually. That's quite a lot now that I think about it. But... <laughs> He, he walks you through the process of everything he wants for the character. Something, something about this entire process really appeals to me. It's just, it's nice to know that he cares enough about the game to walk you through this process of making your character the best it possibly can be. Okay, so certainly not any, not every game needs this in-depth of a character creation process. But he's gone through this entire process of trying to help your character become what it can be, ultimately. And this shows that not only is he dedicated to the game, but it also ensures that the player, the applications he gets are from people who are also dedicated to the game. So having a very complicated character creation process can turn people off of a game, especially if it's a very simple system like The Window or Fate or those types of things, but having this dedication helps ensure that the game will be around for a very long time. And B. Watford, I know for a fact, is extremely good at having games that last a very long time. This process just illustrates that in advertisement form. So, after the character creation process, we've got the technical stuff. So he talks about the things that are required for a game to, to function on Mythweavers. So he, the very first thing he puts at the very top is the game deadline, which is fantastic. You have to know when the deadline is, otherwise you're not going to be able to make a character in time. That seems pretty straightforward, but a lot of people don't realize that setting a deadline actually helps weed out a lot of people who who go in, they start an application, and then don't finish a character, and then you're left wondering, oh, well, are they ever going to finish this, or those types of things. So he, after that, he lists the posting requirements. He wants one post a day, Monday through Friday, uh, if not more. And for me personally, that would be too high. And at that point, I would be able to say, okay, you know what? That's too many posts for me. So I, I have to leave this alone. Great, great ad. I appreciate the game you're trying to run, but I can't commit to that type of thing. So this information, all of this information that we're talking about is helping you find the people you actually want to have in the game and want to have stick around in the game and it helps guarantee that they will stick around so other requirements he's got a couple other things that he he asks for any questions and the final dm note which i i like to i like to do this as well i like to end my ads with a little personal blurb from myself kind of kind of helps helps me connect with my play, potential players and say hey this is who i am this is what's going on so now that we've looked at a very, very good ad, it's time to look at a very, very bad one. So, I don't want to insult this this member, but I'm going to use his advertisement as an example of what you shouldn't do in a game advertisement. So, I'm going to put this link in chat. Alright, so take a look, and you'll very quickly see what's going on here. There's, he's got, what, three, four sentences describing what he's looking for. So it's it's easy to go in and especially after looking at the very good ad, you want to look at something if you look at something that's not so good, it's it's easy to rip apart. And this type of advertisement, I hate to say it, but it's it's very common on Mythweavers. It's it's really unfortunate because you know, this guy Paul Sem, I'm sure he loves the Conan RPG. And that's the system this game is for. 
which you wouldn't know by looking at the advertisement unless you read a little bit deeper, by the way. So looking at this type of thing, you realize, okay, I don't want to do this. There's no picture. I mean, okay, now you don't need a picture. You don't need a picture for a good advertisement. You do need to include information about the game, though. You need to tell players what to expect, what books. From reading through the thread of this advertisement, apparently the Conan RPG was a Kickstarter just recently, so it makes sense that there's not a lot of information and not a lot of people who want to play it. But if you're going to play it, especially because there aren't a lot of players interested in it, you want to be able to draw them in, and the advertisement we see here is not designed to do that. Mick the Rogue asks, so it's more niche anyhow? Yes, I believe this particular system is very niche. This is the first advertisement I've seen for this particular RPG system. So it's it's hard to say what exactly is going on. It, this is definitely something that you have to know what it is, or else there's no way you'd be interested in it. Uh, Alejandro links another bad ad. Hey! Hey! I see what you did there. <laughs> ah, that's very funny. <laughs> ah, I see what we're doing here. I see how it is. I see. All right, all right. So now that we've looked at a very bad ad, and it's... After talking about the very good ad, it's very easy to see what the very bad ad is missing. So now... Now we're going to look at one that's kind of in the middle, you know, and this is about the average of what I would expect from an advertisement on Mythweavers. So I'm going to link this one in chat, and again, for those of you listening to the recording, I will have all three linked in the forum post when I get around to doing that. So this advertisement, it's not very pretty, but that's okay. You have all of the information I'm looking... So, for example, he says, I'm looking for four to six players, though that isn't a hard limit. Given that this will be a fairly sandbox game, I can run two teams if I get enough good applications. So this advertisement is about average, I would say, for me. Weavers. And a lot of those fall into this category. They give you just enough information and they barely draw you in visually. It's got set fields, which everybody loves a good set field. Don't get me wrong. As far as visually appealing goes, not so much. Uh, field set, set field, they're actually two separate things. And maybe one day we'll talk about that. Alejandro is quick to correct me. We're talking about field set. Please excuse me. They're easy to mix up. One lets you put a title on the box. The other one doesn't. I, I'm sorry. I just had to clarify. All right. Alejandro's keeping me straight. We, we got this figured out now. <laughs> field set is the one with the name. Set field is the one without the name. Thank you. We've clarified what a set field and what a field set is. All right. We're moving on. So now I get to pick on Colin a little bit because he and I talked about this a little bit. We were talking about the advertisements that we just talked about, and we said, okay, give me your feedback about this ad. So I'm going to give you Colin's ad, and we're going to look at it, and I want, I'm curious to see... <laughs> yes, you sure did. <laughs> I, I don't know if Colin and Alejandro are showing up on the recording. If they're not, I'm sorry, and I'll fix it in the future, but unfortunately, I, we don't have the time to take to fix it right now. So next time we'll definitely fix it if it doesn't show up. All right, so now let's look at Colin's ad. And I'm looking for feedback from chat. I want to see what they think of this advertisement. And there you go. So chat, tell me what you think of this advertisement, and we'll talk about it, and I'll give you my thoughts on it, and we'll go from there. So chat is saying a whole bunch of different things. Mick the Rogue says no picture. Some folks like one. Mia, ha Mia says the character creation stuff is clear. Mick says good intro, a natural 20 says no pictures, however field sets and bolding slash formatting helps. So yeah, I tend to agree. I, I think picture not required, but I, I like to have them. It kind of, so people are visual creatures usually. They are drawn in by pretty pictures. They kind of can't help it. So I like to have a pretty picture at the very top of my ad. Um, I do agree that character creation, that like the character creation is laid out well. Setting is very well done. Obviously, Colin knows his stuff. He's doing very good. <laughs> That's true. Absolutely. If you're if you're kind of running one of those niche systems, um, for example, the the really bad one we looked at, Conan RPG, that doesn't really need a whole lot. If you know you want to play Conan RPG, then you don't really need a pretty ad to know you want to play it. It's you really only need a pretty ad 
when you're looking for a game that has a lot of different choices available. So D&D 5th Edition, 3.5, Pathfinder, those types of things, you want to make your ads stand out to draw in the most potential players. All right, and now we're going to... Alejandro kind of poked fun at me earlier, but we are actually going to talk about that ad, and I'm curious to see what chat has to say about this one, and we'll talk about this advertisement and go from there. So I've linked it in chat. This is... The advertisement for my newest game, it literally went up this morning. No, last night. It went up last night. So give me, give me your worst. And I promise if you're applying to play in this game, your response will not affect your chances of getting in. I feel like I kind of have to give that disclaimer a little bit. So Mr. Andrew J says, I love the different sizes and colors of text, clearly breaking up the text in a sane way. That's, that's a very good point. Organization is extremely important for an advertisement. You have to lay out your information in an organized manner. Otherwise people go, holy crap, there's so much information here. I just can't process it all. And then they click away from your ad and they're gone forever. So a natural 20 says flavor text at the start is fun. The picture backs it up. I like that different colors. And you've bothered to change the font, not to mention to my favorite myth weavers font. I completely agree. Book Antiqua is one of the best fonts available on myth weavers. It's just pretty. It's just so pretty. So Mia says, I am unsure of games that pre-make characters for me. And This is exactly why a good advertisement is super important. Mia might look at this game and go, okay, Nathan, me, is going to make a character for me. So I'm not interested in that game. And that's fine. That's exactly what an advertisement should do. Mick the Rogue says it's important to know what you're getting into. And absolutely correct. You have to know what you're getting into before you even start the application process. If you don't know what you're getting into, for example, with the Conan RPG game, then how are people supposed to know how the game is going to run? How should they know? How do they know if they should even apply for the game? Mick the Rogue says, but that's good. Not every game is for everyone and completely correct. So. Again, just reinforcing that that idea that an advertisement should make it clear whether a game is for someone or not. And if it's not, that's perfectly fine. Mick the Rogue also says, I'm not a big fan of dungeon delving, for example. Okay, so if we go back to that very first ad we looked at, the really good one from B. Watford, then that's a dungeon delving app. But because it's a good advertisement, he knows that game is not for him. And that's ultimately what Mythweavers is about. It's about pairing players with dungeon masters to find games that mutually they want to play together and that will hopefully last for longer than a couple weeks. Alejandro has linked a six-year-old ad. And actually, honestly, this ad is really not that bad. I've seen much worse. So (laughs) the ad that Alejandro linked... Uh, just looking at it, it looks like it has all of the relevant information, so I don't see anything wrong with it. Spoiler tags I'm not a big fan of in advertisements because it requires your player to click on it, but that's fine. I, I see nothing inherently wrong with it. I do really like the way you laid out your quick game links, though. Doing one link and then a line to divide it and then another link and then another line. That's actually really pretty. And I'm quite a big fan of that, and I probably will steal it in the future. Mick the Rogue says, Now that I read on the phone more often, I'm not a big fan of spoiler tags. And that's exactly that's exactly right. We're moving towards a mobile age where more and more people use Mythweavers from a phone. So having to tap on things precisely, and spoiler boxes are not that big. So they have to very precisely tap on it to get it to do what they want it to do. Mia also says... OOC text, which is the text that if you hover over it, it pops up a little box and there's more text. That is a prime example of things that you should avoid in an advertisement. That particular text box, it's useful in some situations, but if you're trying to use the site from mobile, it's absolutely horrible. So things to avoid in advertisements, OOC text, spoiler boxes, those types of things. All right. So we've looked at a whole bunch of different ads, and for those of you who are listening to the recording, I will link to all of them in the forum post. So now we get to move on to the last scheduled topic that I have for the evening, which is using Discord as a playing medium. And this is primarily for the people who are here listening right now, but if you're listening to the recording, I encourage you to come check out the Mythweavers Discord server. There is seriously over a 100 people online at any given point, and it is absolutely astounding, and I love every second of it. So thank you all for making this Discord server extremely successful. Mia says, everyone here is willing to help you with stuff. That is absolutely right. So if you need help with an advertisement, if you need help with a game, if you need help finding a game, 
game, if you need help designing a character, we are willing and able to help with all of those things. And you don't even have to voice chat. Like right now, we're sitting here chatting away about tons of different things, but it's primarily text-based. So if you have a question, <laughs> Mick the Rogue says, we're friendly and equally nerdy. And that's absolutely right. We are all nerds here. So come on down to the Mythweavers Discord server. So... The topic at hand is using Discord to play a role-playing game. The people who are already here have already learned how powerful Discord really is. It's great for voice chats. It's great for this type of radio or podcast or whatever you want to call it. It's great for discussing questions and ads and games and all those types of things. A Natural 20 says it is so easy to create a private ser server for a game. Literally takes two seconds. And yes, this Mythweaver's Discord server came into being in the span of about 10 minutes. So that kind of gives you an idea of how easy it is to use Discord to create a server for yourself. It is absolutely worth mentioning that it is free. So you don't have to pay anything and you get free voice chat, you get free text channels, you get anyone can access from their phone as many rooms as you want. Yes, all of these are great features. I do want to talk a little bit about Avra or Avre. Avra? Avre? I don't know how exactly it's pronounced, but it's a bot that can be used to run a RPG game entirely in Discord. You literally don't need anything else except Avre. So Avre is a bot that lets you roll dice, you can create characters in literally seconds, and Mia has just rolled a dice, rolled a d20, and rolled a 1, I would like to point out. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty impressive. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's unfortunate. I'm very sorry, Mia. So, you can set up a Discord server in literal seconds, invite Avre, and in minutes, you can have people in voice chat or text chat and be playing a D&D 5th edition game. The name of the show is Weaving Myths, so we gotta tie it back to Mythweaver somehow. So... Obviously, you've got this setter, or, excuse me, you've got this server, you've got this bot that does all these wonderful things for you, now you need players. And this is kind of why we talked about advertisements earlier. You need to advertise on Mythweavers to get players into your Discord server so you can play the game. It's in the works that eventually we'll have a little bit more interaction between Mythweavers as a site and Discord as a whole. I think that's in the works. Don't quote me on that. A Natural 20 asks a very good question. Nathan, what if you advertise on Mythweavers to play on Discord using Roll20? Put that on your advertisement. <laughs> that's a little complicated because I think Roll20 has voice chat built in, but yep, Colin brings up an excellent point and I'll reiterate it for the people who are listening to the recording because I'm still not sure if Colin is being picked up, but he says that you still have to use Mythweavers for something. So hybrid games are okay. Obviously, we just had a big rules change where hybrid games are now perfectly okay as long as they're using Mythweavers or the Mythweavers Discord server for something. Be that character sheets or a log for the game or those types of things. Part of the Mythweavers Discord server is you go to Mythweavers, you advertise, you find your players, then you say, okay, we're going to schedule a time for everybody to get online and play using Discord. We have Saber, which I no mentioning that name is a bit of a bomb because there are mixed feelings about Saberbot, but Saberbot can be used to schedule times for voice channels and text channels to be used in the Mythweavers Discord. So if you say, okay, I've got all these players, we want to meet Saturday at 6 p.m., you just message a moderator or an administrator and they say, okay, I've put you on the schedule, you have that time slot whatever time it is. <laughs> People are arguing a little bit about Saber in the chat and it's... I, I don't... I don't understand. Maybe can someone enlighten me about what what's so wrong with Saber reminding people that events are coming up? A Natural 20 says, I don't honestly mind it. Excellent. I think there are differing opinions on that, though. I would be happy to hear from other people. Mia says the problem with Saber is the ping. I can see... I guess I can see how that would be a little annoying if you get three or four pings in a row. Oh, woke you up? Like, woke you up from sleep? Oh, wow. I did not know that. I'm very sorry. So Saber only pings the scheduled channel and everyone by default is part of that channel so she pings everyone that's something i i'm gonna i'm gonna look into that at some point don't let me forget but i do want to look into that and see if there's a better way we can handle that because right now it, it could potentially lead to some problems you can rsvp for an event that is correct yes that is an excellent solution and i need to spend some more time playing with saber to see if we can get that figured out 
because I would love for it to work like that. You RSVP to an event and then it only pings those people that are actually interested. I have to look a bit more at Saber's documentation and see if we can get that working. Right, especially if the bot doesn't have that functionality built in, then we have to look at, okay, is Saber open source so we can look at the code and can we even code it to do that. A natural 20, if you type exclamation point help, it will private message you information about how to use the bot. And then it goes a step further. If you do exclamation point help and then a command, it will, <laughs> we kind of killed chat there with, with that command. But if you do exclamation point help and then a specific command afterwards, it will give you more information about that command. So Avra does have that functionality built in. All right. So, Discord, we already talked a little bit about Roll20, but Roll20 is a very popular virtual tabletop. You can use Discord as your voice server, so you talk to one another using Discord, because from what I've heard, Roll20 has bad voice chat. So, Discord has shown itself to be very stable and reliable when it comes to voice chat, so using that for your voice solution and then or roll 20 as your tabletop Mick the rogue points out that discord is better than skype as well and absolutely it is i can speak to that for myself and then you can use Mythweavers to store your game logs you can use it to store your character sheets you can use it to store pretty much anything related to the game you could possibly need and then if for whatever reason you can't meet up on discord one weekend then you can just use Mythweavers. That's always an option, obviously. So Mia points out that Discord has much less internet usage, and that is correct. I've I've actually looked at the statistics between Discord and Skype, and Discord uses way less internet than Skype ever has. <laughs> Mick the Rogue points out that Discord is prettier. Basically, what we're saying here is use Discord, don't use Skype. I'm all on board that. I just looked at the Audacity recording, and Colin, you're not showing up at all. I'm sorry. Sorry for the people listening at home. But I'm going to repeat what Colin just said, just so they know. David, one of the administrators of Mythweavers, has written has previously written a Discord bot for the purpose of gaming. And now that Mythweavers has a future on Discord, we're going to work on improving that bot and making it more Mythweavers friendly. So eventually the idea is to replace Avra and Saber with our own personal Mythweavers bot. All right. So, that's everything I have. We talked about Discord, we talked about advertisements, and we talked about Pathfinder versus 5th Edition. So now, it's question and answer time! This is probably what I was looking forward to, to the most out of this entire segment. So hit me with your questions. Ask me questions. It doesn't matter what it's about. If you want to ask more about advertisements, if you want to talk about 5th Edition more, if you want to talk about... I hesitate to bring this up, but if you want to talk about 4th Edition, we'll briefly cover that. If you if you want to talk about Mythweavers more... Mick the Rogue asks, do you plan on putting it on iTunes? No. I don't believe that we're... We'll probably host it on SoundCloud. That's that's a good good suggestion. That'll be a good way to be able to put it on the actual Mythweavers forums. I don't believe iTunes is the correct avenue for this type of thing yet. Maybe if it gets more popular and we start listening, if we get more people involved, then maybe eventually. But right now, iTunes, I don't believe, is on the table. Mia says, 4th edition was bad. No need to elaborate. I'll tentatively agree with that. I played a couple sessions of 4th edition and never really got into it. Mia also asks, how was your first Mythweavers podcast? And I don't know if this is a podcast. But I'm having a great time. I'm having an absolute blast talking about things that I love to talk about. I love being able to answer questions and talk about nerdy things like advertisements, which people don't really talk about on Mythweavers. People are saying this is, yes, definitely a podcast. And all right, it's a podcast. We've got a podcast going. Needs an intro song, Alejandro says. I'll leave that one up to you. I am not musically inclined at all. I can play a little bit of bass guitar, but that's about it. Mick the Rogue says, talk about the trials and tribulations of play-by-post gaming. So this is a huge topic, and I don't think we can really get into it too much but i will i I will talk about it a little bit i don't see why not (laughs) yeah there's a there's a sure there's a book coming eventually about the trials and tribulations of play by post gaming (laughs) yes yes it is on record now so eventually maybe who knows we'll find out i'm i do i have written articles in the past that i've posted on myth weavers so i guess a 
book is not entirely out of the question. I am not committing to that, though. I am not going to promise anything at the moment. Yeah, repeats question. Oh, there was a question I found in this program. The inputs music onto a web page. Will this ever be enabled on Mythweavers? Okay, so basically what me is asking is there's a way to embed music on websites and she's asking or he or she is asking if that's going to come to Mythweavers at any point and she thank you and from my current understanding no rodrigo has said that he is not interested in doing any type of sound embedding if you if you really want to the best solution is just link to a youtube video of whatever song it is you want to play yep colin brings up a very good point that our ad revenue revenue is brought in by google ads and if we get into embedding music and those types of things then we could potentially have a copyright issue on our hands so that is not of interest to Mythweavers at this time. Mick the Rogue asks, when will you write the background for Grok the Dwarf Stomper? Never? I, I think we kind of got into it. Oh, gosh. Background and romance for him and Grokola. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. It's a story that needs to be told, but I don't think I'm the one to do it. <laughs> Mick the Rogue says, it's a tale as old as time. And... Yes, it's a tale as old as an hour ago. So, maybe maybe one day. All right. Does anyone else have any questions? If not, we're going to try and wrap up in the next 15 minutes or so. When's the next podcast? That is an excellent question. Make the Rogue follows up with, how often do you think you'll do these? Well, that is a great question. What do you guys think? When should we do them? Should we do them every week? Should we do them once a month? If should we do them never again? Hopefully not, but one a week. A lot of people are saying a lot of people are saying one a week. I don't see why we couldn't do this every every week. That's fine by me. I have no problem with that. Sure, sure, absolutely. So, very briefly, I'll sum up what Alejandro said. He's he's asking if we want to plan ahead for these and have more than one more than just me talking. And yes, please, I would love to have more than one person talking because my voice is starting to die a little bit and uh, being able to talk to someone else would be fantastic. So, yes, we do need to get more people in on this. And Morde says GM Workshop is ripe with topics, just saying. And yes, absolutely. That is a great resource. If we are struggling to come up with a topic, we just go there and get a bunch of different topics and those types of things. D. Jacob suggests maybe add an in a thread with a poll for next week's topic. That is a great suggestion as well. I think ultimately what will happen is we'll probably just keep it to just moderators for now. I don't want to get too many people talking all at the same time. So we probably want to keep it small at first. <laughs> Alejandro. So there, so right now Chad is talking about the potential for a few 15 minute shows like twice or three times a week. And I cannot commit to that. I would much rather be able to set aside a large chunk of time for like two hours and do that once a week. Oh, they were talking about other people scheduling like 15 minute blocks. Sure, I don't see any problem with that. If people want to get on and just talk for 15 minutes, by all means, go right ahead. I have no problem with that. And as far as I'm aware, uh, the staff can correct me, but I don't think there's any trouble with that. I mean, our schedule, like the, the Sabre, so Sabre is, to, is for these types of things, right? So if people want to hop on for 20 minutes and talk about whatever topic they want to talk about then we just schedule it and call it a day and then they show up they talk and off they go oh right thank you for reminding me mia people still can't hear colin okay so we were talking about how saber is supposedly very complicated to use and set up events with and it's not really and colin was joking a little bit about how complicated it really is so i just tried to make it as easy as possible try to do all the hard work so everybody else didn't have to all right so i feel like we are Running out of questions, unless anybody else has any last-minute topics. Morde asks, how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? And the answer is, I don't know. Alejandro says 42, Mia says 5 chucked wood, and I'm not going to chime in, because I don't know. Alright, Jojo Lagger asks, are there any plans for Mythweavers to take bitcoins in the support section? I do not no. Uh, that is a question for Rodrigo and because he's the one who entirely handles all the payment things. So that is a question for him. I can try and find out if you'd like me to, but otherwise, don't know. Very good point. Colin points out that the best way to ask Rodrigo basically anything, especially things like that related to payment or new features or those types of things, is to just post them in the site discussion forum. And I don't think this needs to be clarified, but I'm going to anyway. If anybody doesn't know, 
Rodrigo is the owner of Mythweavers, and we are all just his little volunteer minions. Okay, Colin corrects me and says... It was really Rodrigo, David, and Michael. And David is the one we talked about earlier who made the new game bot that we will be improving for the Discord server. Mia asks, oh, how about expanding that map program on Mythweavers? Will that ever happen? Yes, that is in the works. Like we talked about earlier, everyone everyone on the staff at Mythweavers volunteers, including Rodrigo. So he has to do those types of things in his spare time. I know it's on the agenda to make that program program more powerful, but I don't know when that's going to happen. I'm going to paraphrase because there's no way. So what Colin says is basically everyone who volunteers to work on the staff at Mythweavers, we do, we volunteer for different things. Not everyone is capable of doing everything. And like Colin is never going to code something for the site because that's just not what he does. And I... I'm just a general moderator, so I handle people who have broken the rules and those types of things. Sure, sure. If people need help, like game rescue, if people need to make a change to a game or if they have questions, those types of things. The general moderators handle those types of questions, including the rule breaking and all of that. Yes, a lot of spam. The moderators take care of so much spam. Uh, it's It's actually kind of crazy how much spam we really get. Uh, a lot of it goes unnoticed, so I guess we are doing a good job. Thank you, A Natural Twenty. Ah, A Natural Twenty asks if Rodrigo and Michael are going to make an appearance here, and if I can rope them into doing it, I would love to have them here for a session. I would love to be able to sit down and chat with Rodrigo and Michael at some point. Yep, so Rodrigo's a maybe. Michael is unlikely just because of time zones. Michael is somewhere in... Yeah, he's somewhere in the Pacific Ocean, I think. So what we were just talking about is what made you start Mythweavers, and apparently there was a split between D&D online games and Rodrigo who started Mythweavers and like I just said I don't know the story of that but apparently it's a big huge involved story and we'll probably never get into it but that's kind of what made Mythweavers come into being yep so what Colin just said is we'll probably we probably won't get into it because we don't want to get into bashing another site which I absolutely agree with we have our own thing they have their own thing we'll just let let sleeping dragons lie as they say I think we have time for just a couple more questions Mia asks will the two Pathfinder sheets have the function their functionality addressed as well the code on some of it has been clunky lately. Rodrigo is constantly working to improve the sheet system. It's, as far as I'm aware, one of the highest priority things that he's always working to improve, especially after the recent loss of data. He's always trying to make that more stable and improve the code, and if you have a suggestion, site discussion is the best place for it. Yep, so what Colin just said was... After the data loss incident, there was a huge focus on making these sheets more stable. This is already in the middle of the sheets being one of the most worked on sections of the site, constantly improving and changing and modifying and fixing all of those things. So the solution ultimately was to have a system where the sheets could be backed up separately from the site so that in case another data loss event occurred, they could be restored and we wouldn't end up with that sort of event ever again. Mia asks, I noticed the backup thing. Is this encouraged for us to use this application? I would encourage you to back up every sheet you make. I am naturally a little skeptical of data storage, whether it's Mythweavers or anywhere else, even my my own hard drives I have multiple backups of. So regardless of what system you use to make a copy or make a backup, I would encourage you to use it. So I'll reiterate there for Colin. He was saying that there's actually two ways to export your character sheet currently. The first one is to print it, but when you go to print it, change it so that it prints as a PDF, and that will actually save a PDF copy of the sheet to your computer. The second way is to export it and there's an actual button when you go into sheets a sheet now you can export it and it will export it it's it's not a pretty format but all of the information is there morday says the raw format is json and there are some halfway decent json viewer editors out so it's it's basically like a raw data format and you can import it back into the site and it will turn it into a usable sheet but that file that you export is not very usable by itself. If you want to be able to take your Mythweaver sheet 
offline and like print it out and take it somewhere the best way is to print it as a pdf and take it wherever you need to take it all right mia asks and i think we'll have time for this question and one more before before we wrap up for the evening mia asks another thing about sheets namely shared sheets between users i currently have a problem with several old sheets that are not mine that has been shared directly with me and cannot delete them will this be addressed so i'm hopefully saying yes i don't know what the current status of that type of bug is is that sounds like a thing i would post as soon as possible in the site discussion forum because i don't know if rodrigo is actually aware of that particular issue so a natural 20 asks is there like a i don't know time schedule for when sheets are getting updated i know fate is really far behind in my recent dealings with ruben teaching me the system and uh, colin answered that question already but he said that it's based primarily on demand if a lot of people are asking for a sheet to be updated then it gets moved up in the priority queue there's not a lot of demand for it then it's kind of based on which one hasn't received an update in the longest amount of time we hope eventually that updating and adding sheets will be as easy as clicking a few buttons but it's going to be a little while before it gets to that point all right we have time for maybe one more question uh the two best questions of the evening all right a natural 20 asks which is better, Pathfinder or D&D? All right, I'm going to give you my personal opinion and do not quote me on this because it will lead to some wars, I'm certain. But I'm going to go with D&D. It was the original, it remains the original, and 5th edition is too good to pass up. So yes, I'm going to go with Dungeons & Dragons. Mick the Rogue asks, what is my sign-off going to be for this podcast? I have not thought about it at all. So I'm just going to say thank you everybody for coming. It's been a wonderful time. I've enjoyed talking with all of you thoroughly. And I hope to see you on next week. And keep on weaving those myths. See you later.